0: Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from Nerdworks Media. If I didn't re say it again, welcome back to Doc Talks where I Doc Talk without the echoes. Um, we're talking, continuing the series is so you want to play DD? We're gonna talk about feats and we're gonna jump right into it. Uh, But like I said, talk to your DM, build your character with your DM, talk about the feats before you take them with your DM. I, I can't be more clear on that. If your DM doesn't allow feats, you take them thinking that they can, you might disrupt the game. You never, ever, ever want to try to surprise your DM, especially when they're trying to make a world for you. Uh, Just to let you know, they're in five different places right now in the books, as well as other ones outside of the published books. But the Player's Handbook has 42 different feats. We're going to try to get through some of those today. Then we'll talk about the 15 in Tasha's, the 15 in Xanathar's. There's two in Eberron and one in the uh, Elemental Evil Player's Handbook that was part of the Elemental Evil platform that they put out uh, from Wizards of the Coast. Feats are expertise into areas. um, They give special abilities to characters. Some DMs, they don't rely on these as much as they should, or creating more for your games. Um, A good veteran, or even just a DM thinking about it, would be able to make them. I do want to start by saying I don't dislike... Uh, we're going to get into this and I'm going to talk about them specifically there are a few that I don't I have to preface it depends on what you're going through again there's two ways to do this to gain feats but we already talked about that uh, rules is written the two ways is every four levels you could forego your ability score Um high Wednesday by the way, hi, Kenobi. Hi, Journeyman. It was a nice rebrand by Mike. I, I think it was beautiful. <clears throat> um, And, yes, we are on a new platform for Nerdworks Media um, using his stuff. And I do apologize. I think I turned my fade down enough. You might not hear it. But there is beep beeps going on outside because my neighbors don't understand that people work from home sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's go through these. As fast as some of these we can, we'll explain them as best as we can. And the few things that you could do with them to be interesting with them. Uh, The first one's going to be alert. Um, This is you're always looking out for danger. Uh, Some of the things that happens is you get plus five to initiative. You can't be surprised if you're conscious. That's a DM prerogative thing. Uh, And other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls from being hidden towards you. I don't dislike this feat. This is the first one, one right off the bat. But it's a feat that a player that you trust should take. And I'll explain why. Um, This feat in particular, one of the reasons I don't like it, it doesn't take into the account of the strain it would take to be on guard 24-7. If any of you guys have smart watches like I do, it measures my stress level throughout the day as well have a high stress level as it is being alert 24-7 on guard stressed out that much not being able to be alert I don't know it's something to take into account as a DM if somebody wants to take this feat I don't want to dissuade it and I want my characters to have fun but I also as a DM want to have fun in the game and sometimes it's just about taking away some of that fun and it would be absolutely exhausting I agree (laughs) I'd say if you take this feat and uh, you are distracted, it would counteract this feat. It's one of my things, just as an example. Um, What I mean by that is if you're talking or trying to negotiate or you are trying to persuade somebody, you're not going to be alert. But that's me as a DM. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, This is great uh, for going first, if it works. Um, and so in that aspect, I want to remind you that you, you'd never want the healer to be the first in initiative. So if you're a healer, this is probably one that you'd probably don't want to take. Um, and again, remember it says conscious. So this doesn't happen while you're asleep. Sleep is considered an unconscious state in purposes game. Um, it's a great feat. If you just want to get a jump on initiative, um, And you're willing to play a character that's had a hundred cups of coffee all the time. and be like super high strung because that's what it is. Uh, Athlete. These are your beefy boy ones. Uh, It's pretty good if you want to have something in which this goes into. And it's really neat for backstory kind of things. I mean, mechanics wise, it increases your dexter strength by one. None of these allow you to go over 20 unless they say so. Um, going from prone to standing is five feet of movement instead of half your movement. And and I like to think of this as that kick up that you see in the movies when somebody gets knocked down and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, and they're back up because they push off their hands or whatever. Another cool part of this is climbing doesn't cause extra movement um, and it gives you essentially a climbing speed. And the reason I think that's pretty cool is like if you're a ranger and you take this feet. And your favorite terrain is mountains, climbing the mountains would make sense. This feat would actually make sense. Jumping far or high takes five feet less of movement. More parkour expert, if you think about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly, I wasn't trying to make a joke. I just, there are certain things about feats that, it, once you get into them, they're neat, but they really take away from some of the game as well. So, we're going to move up to actor. You want drama? We got drama. We got actor. Um, actor's not necessarily what you think it would be, even though it's an apt description. So, parkour would be cool. Urban rogue character, absolutely, would could take that. If that's what you're using it for. And I'm not saying avoid what you... Would help you out in the game. I'm saying don't take feats to mid-max. Take them for story essence. Or if you do take them for mid-max, at least use them in the story. Have a reason. Not just because it was in the rules. Um, Acting is a little different. Again, you gain the plus one, but this time to charisma. Uh, Can't exceed 20 Um, by the way when I mentioned that the reason those are important is remember when you take feats you're not gaining the ability scores that round so some of these actually help offset that a little bit Um, advantage on persuasion or deception if you're trying to pass yourself off as somebody else is a role play awesomeness that I love I do Uh, If you hear someone talk for a minute or heard a creature make a noise for a minute, you can mimic that sound of speech. If someone's trying to see uh, what that is, they roll for insight, you roll deception and dice. But the cool part is, is this helps you out to try to pass to somebody. I could see the role play aspects about that. I would encourage my players to do something like that. It's a neat little aspect. If it's used right, again, if it's just used uh, min max, like I listen to the king and then I try to do the king's voice, again, from somebody who never does it, like you remember fifteen levels later that you have this and this one time, it's one of those things. Play it or don't play it, but don't just take it to break the game or go god mode, is what a lot of people call it. Um, But I do like the aspects of actor. I do like the aspects of actor, not necessarily for a bard, but somebody who's not a bard. And I like it as not trying to pretend that somebody exists in the world, but to pass yourself off as somebody who doesn't exist in the world. Especially if you're a criminal or a rogue or something of that type where, oh no, I I know I look like that poster, but my name is blah, 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 blah. Uh that takes us these are all in alphabetical order if you're wondering. I'm just going through them one at a time the best I can for you guys. Uh Charger. When you take a dash action, you can use a bonus action to attack or push a creature. This one's not so broken. It's actually a little undersuited for giving up a couple of things, but it does have its unique aspects. If you're finding yourself dashing a lot, rogues, um, moving to get out of the way of something, monks, stuff like that. Or even like a fighter who just wants that ability to shield slam someone back. This might work. You gotta put it to good use. So if you move 10 feet in a straight line, two squares, sorry, that's what I'm used to saying. um, And, and you dash. So most characters have 30 feet of movement. Let's just use that. You move 60 feet, but the last 10... You move in a straight line. Two squares at least worth. Um, You could try to hit. This is just a regular attack, but if it hits, it adds plus five to the attack damage. Or push. And again, athletics is still a play in this for pushing or grappling or any of those other things. But we go to push them. We do an athletics versus acrobatics roll, and we push them ten feet. Be an amazing thing. I could use this in story. It's easy if you're trying to stop a fight. It's easy if you're trying to break things up. Just makes it a little bit easier. Gives you a little bit more to do in a combat. And we will get to what you can do in combat. That was related. After we get through feats, I think we'll do it. Uh, Crossbow expert. I mean, right? If you're using a crossbow, why not? This one has some cool stuff. Uh, Ignore loading properties. Again, that only matters if your dm is one of those resource people or understands the rules enough but you can fire twice in a round or if you take the attack action you could attack again this is a true thing without this feat if you're using a crossbow you can attack once or the crossbow could be used as one of the attacks but the crossbow itself is not able to make two attacks Another thing is being five feet from a hostile creature doesn't impose the disadvantage. Um, This is one of those misunderstood rules that DMs don't really understand. If I'm a spellcaster or a ranged attacker and somebody's five feet from me, I actually have disadvantage on the attack. Take two, take the lowest because there's somebody fighting there. If I'm using a crossbow and I have this feet, I don't get that disadvantage. I just roll straight and I love it. Uh, Another part that this thing does that I love is the light crossbow aspect of it. And the reason is because if you have a light crossbow in your offhand, and this sounds super pirated to me. I wish I would have read this one earlier. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, now I'm thinking about it. You can attack with your sword and then attack with the light crossbow. If you have this, that is such a cool little aspect when you think about how the battles played out. And if you're one of those people like me that when you attack, you put a lot of stock into that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have a lot of fun doing it anyways. I could see a lot of things with that, especially when you're boarding or being boarded on a pirate campaign ship. All right. dual wielder. I've taken this one. So, I have a Gloomstalker Ranger, and it made this so much fun. Um, I wanted to use two weapons, but I wanted to use two longswords because of the idea of it. Not because of the damage, but the coolness of a half-orc ranger using two longswords. And usually you can only do it with a light weapon. This feat works really well. Not just that, but if you want to have more like a cavalier attitude as a PC, <laughs> when you draw both your weapons, you're a little bit more deadly. This is the one you want. One of the cool aspects of this is the plus 1 to AC while both weapons are drawn. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it it kind of gives you the aspect of and I don't know if you play like I do where I have my numbers written down on my sheet, so if a attack misses me by this much, this is what I got out of the way. So if it's less than 10, it literally just wasn't going to hit me. If it's between 10 and my regular dexterity without my armor class, it's always because I moved out of the way. And then if it's my armor class, it hits my armor class. This is if something misses me by one, now I have this other description where I've deflected it with my sword. And I love stuff like that. Again, remember, a big role player. Mid-maxers aren't going to take this for that aspect of saying it, but they will take it for the plus one. And there's nothing wrong, again, I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with being a mid-maxer, but if you're playing with a group of role players, either adapt, which is build a mid-max character, but learn to role play a little bit, or maybe switch up what you're doing, or find the right group for you. You, again, this makes it so that you could do a well, non light weapons, which makes it that much more incredible. Because again, like I said, for my gloomstrucker ranger, I didn't want to be the bow and arrow, even though he's part of something called the black bows. He wanted to just be able to use two long swords, which I thought was a fun little aspect. And the cool part is, is I could draw both my long swords or put both my long swords away. Um. If I was allowed to draw one. So if I'm moving towards to attack. Usually you could draw one weapon. I can draw both. That kind of stuff for me is cool. If you're a rules lawyer. That's cool. Because you know in the rules. You can't normally do this. This allows you to. And it's a fun little feat. If you're a role player. It's cool. Because. What did somebody say? Uh, tough guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> Same kind of aspect. Uh, you can normally wield one longsword and a light weapon. Gorth, there was a question that was asked in chat. Yes, absolutely. However, I wanted the two longsword thing, so I can only wield if I had a light weapon. You're right. I think I said both light weapons. That's not true. I can dual wield if I have a regular weapon in one hand and a light weapon in the other in my offhand. You're absolutely correct Nope I appreciate you making sure And keeping me honest as well It's just a little fun thing Dungeon Delver One that a lot of people Don't take more of That I wish they would But again I wish people would play More thief rogues Than assassin rogues But that's me Um, Being alert uh, For hidden traps And secret doors While in dungeons Wrong swords is definitely cool (laughs) I think long swords, yeah, it is cool, wrong swords would be cool too. Reverse them um <laughs> this is for your artsy or four higher rogues. It can be used on any class for anybody that does a lot of like treasure hunting or crypt walking or dungeon delving or whatever you want to call it, so you get advantage on perception and investigation to detect secret doors and their latches. I talked about the skills before. Perception to find it, investigation to find how to open it. Advantage on saves to avoid traps that you may have missed. And then resistance to any trap damage. If it came from a trap, you have resistance to it. And another cool part is if you have a DM that's very resource-minded to the rules, um, it doesn't slow you down to check for traps. These things are important. Um, I love this aspect. I had a rogue one time who was just a four hire rogue. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't steal. He wasn't a halfling. He literally was hire me to go into dungeons. I wanted to go away from the stereotypical. Oh, something's missing. Grab the rogue. Uh, And stereotypically, both his parents were also still alive. Uh, That... Going out from Dungeon Delver, that could be used a bunch of different ways on a bunch of... But I kind of like the idea of that for multiple things. Anybody who would go looking through... <laughs> go looking through dungeons. I appreciate that you got that, but it it's amazing to me how many halfling rogues are in the world. And in, in any world. Uh Durable durable is actually pretty awesome I'm a big fan of con (laughs) so this is going to increase our con by 1 to a maximum of 20 again and when I roll a hit die on a short rest the minimum number of HP that I can gain is twice my con mod minimum of 2 so if my con modifier is 3 and I have a d8 remember what I told you the average is 6 You always add your con mod anyways. When I roll my dice, I can't... If I'm lower than a 6, it's automatically a 6. It's part of the durable feat. You'd think it was called durable. It would have more durability. But I get what they're saying with that durability. And that really is the only thing of that feat. But it is a cool feat. And it is a cool feat if... You're playing somebody who wants to be up front, who's very protection-oriented. Had Mike on the show a couple weeks back, and he talked about his Paladin being more protection-oriented. Same kind of thought process on that. This is a cool, small, little feat, but it gives me a little bit extra. And I'm possibly losing two ability scores for this. I'm still gaining one for Khan. Makes it a little bit more interesting. I did forget to tell you that this all starts on page 165 of the player's handbook. And everything that I'm telling you, I've read. I'm just trying to explain it a little bit better. So if you have any questions about any of the feats we're covering today, the next time we meet, etc. Please bring them up. I would love to know them. Um, Elemental Adept. So if you look at this feat, you'll notice it's one of the first ones that needs a uh, prerequisite. And you have to have the ability to cast one spell. Not a cantrip. And not a racial ability that's acting spell-like, but actually using spell slots is what it means. And it's probably a reason for this, because you're going to choose one of these elemental focuses. Acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder. When you cast a spell that uses any of the ones that you picked... If something's resistant to it, it's no longer resistant to it. It gets through anyways. That's literally what this does. Another cool aspect is if you're whirling damage for it, any one becomes a two, automatically makes it higher damage possibilities. That's all math fun that I'm not going to get into because I know a lot of people who watch this are not math people. Um this is one of the few feats that you could select multiple times and pick a different one each time. So remember, this is a resource, a commodity. And like any other commodity, you have to pay attention to what you're doing with it and make sure it doesn't hurt your character. But it would be elemental adept would be wild magic sorcerers that use chaotic magics. I love you guys to death. You're some of my favorite. I will give you a wand of wonder at some point. But if it's specific, like you pick one and like that's your focus, I want to encourage you to take that. It's amazing. If you're a wizard and you use one element more than any others, and I've done that as well. I had a fire wizard at one point. Uh, I had other spells, but I concentrated on fire. This is a cool thing to take for that as well. More so because you're concentrating on it. The role-playing story aspect is I concentrate on fire spells. It's all about fire spells. I'd like to take this feat because fire spells. And it just makes sense. All right, grappler. Strength of 13 or higher. There's a reason for that because if you're a grappler, you kind of need a modifier in strength to do it. But it makes sense. Um, this will get you more into your unique builds. If you want to build a non weapon, non monk fighter of some kind, this would be cool. Grappler and bar, um, no, tavern brawler is what it's called. We'll get there. Are two really cool feats to look at. So, grappler, um, It literally says you develop the skills necessary to hold your own in close combat grappling. Man, there's so much I could do with this. I just thought about making a character who was just like a wrestler in high school. You have advantage on attack rolls against a creature. You are grappling. So it doesn't do anything for the grapple, but when you have them grappled, you get advantage on your attacks. Uh, You can use your action to try to pin a creature grappled by you. This is something from old D&D that they brought to a feat for people to use um if you make two successful grapple checks in a roll uh you and the creature are both restrained until the effect ends i know what you're asking doc what's restrained i wasn't prepared for that question because i just thought about it myself but what it is is it's a condition and if you give me a second i will look it up and tell you exactly what the restrained condition would do used to have somebody in my party. I think I was a DM for this. Who used to have all of them written on their character sheet. And I always thought that must have been a very boring character. Because you didn't have anything else to put on your character sheet. Alright. restrained. Restraint. It says C conditions. Can't just give me the the book page number it would be on somebody want to explain that one to me i would love to hear why when i look up restrained it's in there but it doesn't say the page number it tells me to look up something else which i should have known it was so hey i'm right there sorry about this i know it's boring but i want to look it up because restrained is speed becomes zero they can't go anywhere uh, and it can't be, uh, benefit from any bonuses of its speed. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage, and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. That's new. When they're grappled, it doesn't have this, but it does now. And then the creature has disadvantage on dexterity saving rolls, which, if depending on your party's design, that could be super beneficial for you. So, yeah, that's fun. I was mentioning Pinned in a game... Um, I think it was my Friday night game the one where I'm a player not the DM and I tried to pin somebody and somebody basically said what are you talking about good point wouldn't know what to say, (laughs) DS. because it is I I get mixed up in games it is actually one of my table rules is I get mixed up in games so stop me if I'm talking about a different game because I play so many of them D&D is just one of like I think last count is there's close to 250 different tabletop games. So, <laughs> uh, that's going to take us to Great Weapon Master. Uh, grappler, by the way, doesn't have to be that bar. There are so many tabletops. You could be a grappler in any situation. I'm trying to think more of. Who else would use this? I think of the the quick ones, right? Like my tavern brawler build idea. But I like the idea of like a fighter that uses one-handed weapon and doesn't have a shield. And, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I have quite a few books of other ones in my... I'm not going to get to it. Well, the whole stream will be taken by that. Um, but Grappler... Um, could be used for anything a support person could use grappler as long as they have one hand free they could do their support stuff most frontline people i would avoid this if you're a caster of some kind unless it makes sense for your story <laughs> you're not distracting me i'm distracting me um, but yeah the grappler is is a great feat have some fun with grappler uh, great Weapon Master, you've learned to put the weight of your weapon to your advantage. Letting its momentum empower your strikes. So you gain this powerful idea. This is if you're using a great weapon. It's very much in the title. I wouldn't use it for other things. Uh, but on your turn when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon, which reduces... Um, or you, you get a crit or you reduce somebody to zero... You can take uh, use your bonus action to take another melee attack. Your bonus action isn't unlimited. This doesn't give you another one if your bonus action already does. But for like a fighter where if you make an attack action, you can make a second attack action, this would be a third attack if you crit or drop somebody to zero, which would make it a lot more fun. Uh, and before you make a melee attack with a heavy cro- uh, a heavy weapon, You could take a negative 5 penalty to hit and get plus 10 to your damage. They make this for many others. There's sharpshooter for distance. This is not a bad thing. This feat in and of itself for that is it's balanced even though it doesn't feel like it's balanced. I don't know how better to put that. I don't shy away from this one as much as I do sharpshooter because sharpshooter just has so much to it. I don't appreciate sharpshooter that at 150 feet you can pinpoint target somebody that's not in full cover. Yeah, it's just one of those things I've always went back and forth with. I'll be honest, at my tables I haven't toned it down. I haven't made any table rules for it yet. Uh, But I do like it, because the negative 5 penalty at first is a real changer. Sometimes that's your entire attack bonus, and you're going to take away that, try to hit, but do an extra 10 damage. I think the last one I'll talk about today is Healer, and there's a reason for that. Because Mike came up recently to me and was like, Healer is underrated, very underrated, here's why it's underrated. Um, it says you're an able physician, you know, the little stories they say, allowing you to mend wounds quickly and get your allies back in a fight. You gain the following benefits. So let's talk about the benefits and I'll tell you what my nerd works came up with. So when I use a healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature, that creature regains one hit point. So if I stabilize a creature and I succeed in that, which there's DCs in the rolls, they automatically get one. They're not out of the fight. They don't have to wait eight hours to wake up. They're good. As an action on my turn, I can spend one use of the healer's kit to tend a creature and restore one d6 plus four HP, um, plus additional um, wait to it, plus additional hit points equal to the creature's maximum number of hit dice. Uh, Their levels. So I'll use Oral because we've been building them on the channel together. He's got two hit dice. So if somebody was to use this on me, they roll a one d six, add four, and then add two more. Um, the thing on that they can really do that once per I think short rest. And here's the cool part about this. And and people have been playing for a while think like this. I can as a rogue. Use an item as a bonus action. It's in there. It's something unique to rogues. So, as a rogue, I can attack somebody. Get my damage, my sneak attack. Run over to somebody. And as a bonus action, use my healer's kit to heal them. I am now a field medic running around the battlefield. Getting things done. (laughs) Which to me is an amazing aspect of this. When Mike brought it to me, I was like, I can't believe I've never thought of that because I was a medic in the army and it just never clicked to me. And it is what it is. I love this outside the box thinking. And that's what that was. Mike was like, oh, it'd be a cool little healer thing. And of course, you need to take a short rest. So how many people are in the party, that's how many times you can do it. I was look up I have to look up healers kits because what this tells me is that there's a limited number of uses to healer kits in 5e. When you run across rules like this and it's like, huh, we've never played blank. Remember that it's possible. Rules, exceptions in rules mean that there's a rule that guides it. And I do encourage everybody not just to ignore rules, but take a look at them. Somebody put time and effort to trying to make this game balanced. And it could easily be just like Monopoly rules, where you've been playing it wrong, and that's why it takes forever, and then Grandma gets mad, and then you accuse Grandma of cheating at midnight, and somebody flips the board. And that's how every Monopoly game ends. Kidding. not then. use feats because cool story because your character would use that feat don't use feats to break the game remember i talked last week a little bit about dms are people too they created this world they want you to have fun interactions they want you to have fun battles um, they want you to be able to talk your way out of certain things, they want you to enjoy the game and I know for some people that I've talked to, especially recently, having fun in the game is winning the game, but there's no winning d d there's no such thing if people at the table have fun together, it doesn't matter if you do a total party wipe, a total, par- uh, total party kill, TPK because it You had fun. You'll roll a new character, go into something else, and you'll stay together as a group, as people, and you'll go have fun in another game. Don't be afraid of that. I've heard of so many times that people are like, oh, I've got a no-death game. Okay, cool. I'm not against no-death games or no-consequence games. They're not for me. But I've had more fun in games where the entire party got killed or some of my favorite ones are where, like, one person makes it out because of a natural 20 death save or something. It's... I have a lot more fun with those stories and they're the stuff that we talk about for decades later. It's never a... Remember my character that went around and killed everything? Um... Some players are just cruel and fun. I've talked about that a little bit. We may seem like we're having a good time, but you got to remember we make a ton of characters and you kill our characters. And then we make more characters and you defeat our characters. It is kind of fun when your characters are making it more difficult than the players. But I do agree that no risk is no fun for me. Anyways, I don't want to see your character fail. I don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody's characters at my table. I'm as invested as they are in their characters. Anybody who's played with me as a DM knows I help you build your character because I want you to be an immense part of the universe that's here. You can go too far with that. I've played with DMs that do that. I'm in a campaign with a dragon Lycranth like Thamp I can't think of the word a aware dragon halfling that the dragon has feathers because there's some attachment to the uh, the raven queen, and we got magic weapons at like right before we went out at first level it's. It, was, it wasn't It was fun until the game got a little bit more difficult. Until it got a little scary, actually. And we had to have some thought process, not just go in, beat everything up, and win. And it's made it difficult on the DM because he'll throw something else that he thinks is difficult. But because of all the stuff that he gave us, it goes down really easy. Remember, this game's about fun. You're working together to have fun. You don't want to be the person that's not having fun. And if your idea of fun is just, you know, going into a battle, everything's going to die. I don't know what to tell you. I don't find that interesting at all. The grind for gear is a big part of the fun. It is. Strategy is so... When you win a battle that made you suspect that the entire party was going to die and somehow... You pull that out of left field. It's an amazing experience. It's so much fun. So much joy. You feel so much pride. You pulled it off. It didn't feel like you were going to. Battles are supposed to be little roller coasters. They're not supposed to be easy. I will admit as a DM, it's kind of funny to like, when my characters, uh, when my players' characters uh, level up, I like to just like throw something small at them just to get them used to some of the new things that they've got. But it's really funny to me when that really small thing, I made it too easy and they go through it because of some of their new abilities. And it always just amazes me how people think. And yes, you're right. You can do a well done retreat and it can be fun and memorable, especially when somebody accidentally starts a fight like at level three with a CR eight dragon not saying I have any experience with that. I did see you say hi, Joyce. Hi, Joyce. That's absolutely correct, though. This is a game about fun and memories. This isn't like 16 hours later you beat it and you could redo it when the DLC comes out. Because the game could be as long or as short as your imagination will allow it. Most tabletops are that way. I don't have a lot. I don't have anything else. Really, the deep, insightful stuff that I usually put at the end is not there this time. But I want you all to know that I do love you. I want you to keep it nerdy. And I want you to live your dreams. Later. Until next time. This has been a NerdWorks production.